Hello, Deacon Allen here again. This week we're moving on to Unity 11. We're really clipping along here. It feels like we're nearing the end. Um, and uh, so just, uh, you know, we're doing 13 units in this Latin 1 class. Uh, so we're, we're, getting, we're getting there. Uh, I think we're getting a, a broad overview of a lot of, uh, of the verbs. Um, early, early on, Collins really nails down uh, the, the, the verbs in their various tenses. Um, other texts that I've used in the past, like uh, there's one that was a, a text for schoolboys uh, uh, written in the 40s, so it's full of all sorts of World War II examples uh, called by, by uh, Henley. Uh, and he really nails down the nouns right from the beginning. So you'll learn all five declensions and you have your nouns cold from right from the beginning. Collins gives us, you know, the first and second uh, declensions, but then leaves the third, uh, fourth and fifth for later. And, you know, and that may, that's the advantage of, you know, the first and second declensions are pretty straightforward and they're fairly common. And then they also, a lot of adjectives are going to fit in there. The third declension is, though, I think the most common declension of nouns. And so if you're following along in your missal in Latin or your, your um, you know, uh, um, uh, reading, uh, you know, liturgical texts otherwise in Latin, um, you're going to see a lot of nouns that you think, wait a minute, this isn't one of those first or second declension. Well, it's, you know, uh, probably third. Uh, because that's a lot of them. Sometimes you'll get fourth declension nouns that might throw you because they may look like they're second declension, but then they go weird on you. Like uh, spiritus looks like, oh, I know spiritus. That's an us, right? I know that one. But no, that's fourth declension. And that's why you get et spiritui sancti. You know, um, uh, so uh, anyway, don't, don't worry about that. That's for when you're covering that in Latin too which I'm sure you'll, you'll continue on with. But this week, we're moving on to the pluperfect tense. Pluperfect, as we've mentioned way back with our overview on verbs generally, it's a word that means more perfect. It's even more perfect. It's more complete. This is a past tense that is a completed past tense. So uh, it you know, it has, in English, we would use the auxiliary verb had uh, before it. So to form the pluperfect indicative active of any verb, so this is across all conjugations, the first construct the pluperfect base. And then remove the ending I from the third. So to do that, you take, you take the third principal part, which is our, our um, perfect indicative active, right? Uh, you take the third principal part, you drop the I, which is the marker for first person uh, singular, perfect indicative active, from that third principal part to isolate the perfect active stem. Add the tense-making suffix era. Doesn't that sound familiar? Remember the verb to be, sum, right? And when we were looking in one of the past tenses, we got um, we had uh, uh, um, era. Like, um, 
although that was uh, actually when I think about that, um, I it it. Uh, okay, so that would be the the imperfect tense of sum to be right. Sum esse fui futurus, we get in the first person uh, singular. We get eram. Second person singular eras. Third person singular erat. In the plurals, we have eramus, eratis, erant, right? So that, so it might, that, that might help us remember, oh, because we're dealing with a past tense, we're going to be using era as our, as our uh, um, uh, pluperfect, uh, uh, the, you know, the, the tense making stem, and then we add the personal endings, and the personal endings are the ones we've seen before. So here's our sample verb in the first uh, um, conjugation, laudo, laudare, laudabi, laudatus. So we take laudavi, we drop the you know, long I at the end, and we get our perfect stem, which is laudav. And then we add era. So we get our pluperfect base, which is laudavera. And then we add the endings. So laudaveram, or laudaveram, I had praised. Laudaveras, you singular, had praised. Laudaverat, he, she, or it, had praised. Laudaveramus, we had praised. Laudaveratis, you, plural, had praised. Y'all had praised. <laughs> Laudaverant, or Laudaverant, sorry. Um, they had praised. Um, and so that's how that's going to work. The pluperfect is going to work in all four conjugations. You know, we just use this in the first uh, conjugation, but it, you do the same thing with all the others. The future perfect indicative active. This is a future completed tense, which in English we would use will have or shall have uh, to complete it. Um, and it's compounded with that perfect active stem, right, which is, again, let me drop the long I off of the third principal part, plus eri, and again, this one looks like uh, our future tense of, of sum, right, uh, eri plus the active personal endings. Okay, so uh, an example that we're going to be using, but across it's the same uh, pattern across all conjugations, taking our verb capio, capere, cepi, captus, to take or to receive. If we take our perfect stem from our, our third principal part, cep, right after we drop the long i, and then we add eri, we get ceperi. So what do we get if we're going to go into the, the first person singular? Uh, um, we will have Cepero, I will have taken. Ceperis, you singular, will have taken. Ceperit, he, she, or it, will have taken. Ceperimus, ceperimus, we will have taken. Ceperitis, y'all will have taken, <laughs> the plural. And ceperint, they will have taken. Um, note that the I in the suffix is dropped before the ending O, the long O. Um, uh, so that's, you know, what we saw that in the singular. Um, so yeah, the, the, these two, uh, the pluperfect indicative active and the future perfect indicative active 
uh, it's the same pattern for all four conjugations. Isn't it nice when Latin gives us something easy? All right. And then uh, Collins is going to throw at us another use of the ablative, the ablative of cause. The ablative of cause, which is, can be used with or without a preposition, remember the preposition is built into the case of the noun, um, it is, can be used to express the cause of an action or state. So, beati sumus e victoria domini. We are happy or we are blessed. Victoria Domini, by means of, because of, the victory of the Lord. So it could be a Victoria, or you could just say Victoria. All right. Direct questions. Um, the exact words of a speaker may be quoted directly, just like we do in English, right? Uh, in... Latin uh, orthography, and so you're going to see this in your if you're using like the Sixto Clementine Vulgate, which is the Jerome's Vulgate edition uh, as edited by um, uh, I forget which Sixtus and which Clement it was, but there are a couple of popes. Um, the Sixto Clementine uh, um, uh, Vulgate um, quotation marks aren't used. Okay, in our modern post-Vatican II, uh, John Paul II, uh, what's called the Nova Vulgata Editionis, which is the, the new Vulgate. The t it's a new translation of the Bible into Latin um, that, that f takes advantage of, of the modern advances in scholarship and also the uh, um, archaeological findings uh, like... Uh, you know, the obvious ones would be the Dead Sea Scrolls, where we have much older manuscripts than we'd had before. Um, the, uh, 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 the Nova Vulgata, which came out in the 80s, uh, does use quotation marks. Um, but, uh, but typical, you know, old Latin orthography wouldn't have used them. Uh, but anyway, um, Capitalization alone is used to indicate the beginning of a quotation in, you know, the old, old form. Then, so, uh, so if you did no change at all, the speaker's words are quoted with no change. So in English, we would use, you know, quotation marks. Um, Puer dixit mea familia est hic. The boy said, "My family is here." You can also introduce it with quia or quonia, that very flexible uh, uh, word that we had introduced, uh, was it last week? Um, the speaker's words are quoted with, uh, or no, some weeks ago, actually. Uh, the, the speaker's words here are quoted uh, with no change, but can be introduced with a translated sign word, quia or quonia. Um, and we would do this in English, too. Uh, I suppose, so we could say, puer dixit quia, or quoniam, mea familia est hic. The boy said that my family is here. Mm -hmm. 
Although in English, I think we would usually, if we used that, we would make it an indirect quote that said that his family was here. Um, following, as we noted, following contemporary practices, the Nova Vulgata uses quotation marks and has eliminated the use of quia or quonium, although sometimes it will uh, chuck in something that is, to English orthography, seems wrong. So we would say, if we had an English, we said, um, uh, my family, he said, is here, right? We would put quotation marks around my family, comma, he said outside of the quotation marks, and then start up again with quotation marks to finish the quote. You know, um, in the Nova Vulgata, I see often the, there's a verb inquit, you know, he said, or, um, uh, is chucked in there, but it's still within the quotation marks. So it's kind of the same thing is going on here with the clear quonium in the older form. All right. Unless you see it in front of you, it's, you know, it's pretty obvious when you see it, what's going on. So don't worry about it. All right. Here is a, a bunch of, um, of, uh, when we get into our vocabulary, there's a bunch of verbs. Again, keeping in mind, Latin will frequently chuck a, a preposition in front of a verb to give it, to create a whole new raft of, of verbs. Um, and some of those verbs, frankly, no longer exist if they ever did uh, as in their base form, only in their form with the preposition attached. And this first one is an example of that. Clino, clinare, clinavi. Clinatus, to bend. There is no verb, clino. Um, I mean, if you're making a joke in Latin, I suppose you could invent the word, but I mean, no. Uh, instead, we put a preposition in front of it, so we get inclino, inclinare, inclinavi, inclinatus, to bow, lean forward, right? We get our English word incline from this. Um, uh, inclination. And so the invitation to bow for the blessing at the end, the deacon says, uh, uh, inclinate vos ad benedictionem, you know, um, uh, incline yourself for the benediction, bow down for the benediction. Okay. Um, and then with re in front of it, we get reclino, reclinare, reclinavi, reclinatus, to lean back, to recline. Again, same English word. Another first conjugation verb, exulto, exultare, exultavi, exultatus, to rejoice or exult. This is a compound word, ex in front of saltare, to leap. Okay, so it's a really expressive image. If we're exulting, and there's an English word taken directly from this, we're rejoicing, we're, we're, we're leaping up, you know, we're jumping for joy. Okay. Um, another first conjugation, glorifico, glorificare, glorificavi, glorificatus, to glorify, right? Same word. Um, and uh, um, con glorifico, we can intensify it with that. Although it can have a sense of glorify together. So if you're, if you're um, using it in the imperative to another group of people, 
Uh, you might be saying, glorify the Lord with me, you know, together with me. But uh, by, by itself, it has that, that intensification, exceedingly glorified. Con glorificat, you know, it's in, it's in, uh, um, it's in the, it's in our creed, uh, qui, you know, about the Holy Spirit, qui cum patri et filio simul adoratur et con glorificatur, is, who is together with the Father and the Son is adored and glor and exceedingly glorified, right? Um, Here's another first conjugation verb, grego, gregare, gregavi, gregatus, to gather or to assemble. Um, this is related to the word for a herd of animals, gregus, right? Um, and so, uh, um, and we get our words like congregate, um, I'm sorry, it's from the noun grex. I, I was putting it in the in the genitive grex gregus, um, the, which is a word you're going to learn sometime later, uh, which means flock uh, uh, or, or herd, um, and so we get again we put a, put prepositions in front of them. So agrego to add to to join with, uh, we get our word aggregate from this right, congrego. Congregare, we get to gather together, to assemble. We get our word congregation, congregate, you know, from that. Segrego, segregare, segregare, segregatus, to separate, to, you know, disperse the flock, if you will. And we get our word segregate, segregation, so forth from that. All right. Paro, parare, paravi, paratus, to provide or to prepare. You can guess that it's to prepare from preparare, right, to uh, provide for beforehand, right, uh, which has the same meaning, you know, prepare, all right, so if everything is ready, omnia parata, <laughs> everything is prepared, um, resulto, resultare, resultavi, resultatus, to resound or rebound. Um, you know, we uh, uh, we get our, our, our word result ultimately from this. Um, this is that same that with exult. We talked about like leaping for joy. This is like jumping back, if you will. Um, resultare. Um, sanctifico, sanctificare, sanctificavi, sanctificatus, to make holy, right? That's a fat, faco, you know, uh, faccio, facere, right? Uh, with sanctus, right? So it's to make holy, to sanctify. Aperio, aperire, this is a fourth conjugation, right? Aperui, apertus, to open, by metaphorically to ex explain. Uh, we use uh, an English word aperture, for example, uh, like on a camera, right? Um, now here's a noun, Adam, ade. You can tell by the ade, that's the genitive singular, that this is a first conjugation, a first declension masculine noun. Why is it first conjugation? It's a Hebrew word. Adam 
literally is just the Hebrew word for man, like human being. Uh, but in the Bible, then it's the name for the first human being. In Latin, you know, a lot of times when you bring over a Hebrew word, they just kind of throw their hands up and it's not something they recognize, so they leave it undeclined. But if some of its forms look like other forms, then they will decline it. And so Adam, Adam, well, in the accusative, that looks like a first declension accusative, right? So it ends up being brought into the uh, into the first uh, declension, but again, it's masculine. So Adam, Ade, Ade, Adam, Ada. I'll, the ablative, though, would probably still be Adam, um, although we could probably do Ada. All right. A lot of Greek names, especially Greek names that end in A-S, like, you know, Lucas, Luke, come into the first declension as well. Um, a lot of Hebrew names that end in Ayah, you know, the holy name of God, Yah. So Isaiah, Jeremiah, you know, when they come into Latin, they come in via Greek. So you'll get uh, Isaias become with the genitive being Isaiah. Um, uh, um, Yeremie would be the genitive. So a lot of Greek words and, and thereby a lot of Hebrew words that kind of laundered through the Greek Old Testament translation, the Septuagint, come into Latin in the first declension. So just so that you're aware of that. Another first declension that's feminine, aula, aule, a hall, um, like, and not like a hallway, but I mean, a, like a big hall, a big room, um, and, uh, is, uh, is, is mentioned here. And so it can refer to a church in the sense of like the big open space that is a church. Columna columne is a pillar or a column. Obviously, our English word column comes from that. Um, creatura creature, uh, creation or creature. Flama flame is a flame. All these are feminine first declension. That's easy. Hostia hostiae. Um, there's going to be a related word that means the enemy. I mean, I'm not a related word, but a word that sounds the same, starts the same, that means the enemy. You'll learn it later. Um, but that's not this one, okay? Just like with, with uh, um, mundus meaning world and mundus meaning clean, two different words, even though they look the same. Latin, like English, has homonyms. Um, so hostia, hostiae, is a sacrificial offering. And in Christian Latin, it's the host, right, which is the offering. Uh, so hostiam puram, hostiam sanctum, hostiam immaculatum, from the Roman canon, uh, this pure host, this, uh, um, this spotless host, you know, um, this spotless victim. Um, innocentia, innocentia, uh is innocence. Pasca pasque is a good uh, uh, Hebrew word that comes into Latin as a, 
you know, and, and is fully declined in the, uh, in the uh, uh, first declension. This is the Passover from the Hebrew word Pesach, um, right, which is Easter uh, in a Christian context, although in the Jewish context it refers to the Passover that happens about the same time of year. Propheta, prophete. This comes from Greek. You can tell that because of the pH. Uh, but it it's a first uh, declension masculine noun because in the Old Testament, most prophets would be men. And so uh, following that general rule that... that uh, um, uh, where there is where biological sex is relevant, um, uh, then that would govern uh, the grammatical gender. So the gender of propheta is masculine, even though it is uh, first declension. Scriptura scripture, a writing, though in a Christian context, the scriptures. Um, that's a feminine first uh, declension. Chibus, chibi, food. I had a dog growing up when I was a boy who was named Chibi. Um, no, not spelled this way. Uh, and, you know, he, he was a very nice, a very smart dog. Um, anyway, uh, uh, chibus, chibi, food. And this is related to words that we, that we had before. Uh, you know, we talked about uh, um, um, Paulus Pauli is a name. Paul, obviously, although this, if you had it with a lower case, it's an adjective that means little. So it's really a nickname. Remember, we, Paul, the Apostle Paul, uh, his given name was Saul. But like so many people in a multilingual world, They'll take a name that to fit in, like, you know, uh, you'll see this with a lot of immigrants here in the United States. You know, they maybe have a name that's not, uh, you know, that that's not uh, pronounceable by most people. So they kind of adopt a, a more common name. I know that like former President Barack Obama, when he was growing up, was known by Barry, you know, uh, um, I, uh, I knew a, a Chinese man in, in Michigan who went by Jim, you know, even though he had uh, a Chinese name. Uh, there was a, back then, there was a, a pitcher for the uh, Detroit Tigers named Guillermo Hernandez, and he went by Willie Hernandez, you know. Um, you know, so it's a common thing. So here's this guy with a very ethnic name, Saul, but he's dealing with Romans and with, uh, you know, and, 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 and Greek-speaking Gentiles throughout the world. And so it's not surprising that he adopts a more Roman-sounding name to use on the outside. And, uh, you know, it's actually because of the nickname. I imagine him being short. So he's called Tiny. <laughs> okay. Paulus. Um Dolorosus, dolorosa, dolorosum, sorrowful. And we get English words like dolorous. Um, uh, some, uh, um, the via dolorosa in Rome would be the sorrowful, I mean, in, in Jerusalem would be the sorrowful way, um, you know, the, 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 the road to the cross. 
uh, in music, because again, musical terms will frequently use Italian, and Italian is just modern English or modern Latin. Um, you get doloroso means you know uh, um, sorrowful, and it's a you know, musical term, so to give you an idea of how to play the music is sorrowful, right? Um, letus, leta, letum. This is related to our verb, right? Letare. Uh, uh, um, uh, Joyful, parvus, parva parvum, little or small. And then parvulus, that ul is a diminutive. So this is like really small, okay? Um, uh, and, uh, uh, and, and so that, uh, um, So it, it's, you know, adding a diminutive to a word that already means little. Okay. Um, there are a number of villages in, in rural England that might have something parva after them, and it means little village, you know, related to a village that might have a, another name. Um, tertius, tertia tertium is third. So, uh, um, Resurrexi tertia die, he rose again on the third day, all right? Um, and in English, we have the word tertiary, you know, that's, that's related to this. Um, apud is a preposition, but it takes the accusative, okay? And this means in the presence of, so it means like quorum in that regard, which takes the ablative. But apud takes the accusative in the presence of amongst um, or, you know, at the house of somebody. Um, hink is an adverb meaning from here, um, just as nunc meant now, so like from this point in time, this would mean from this point in, you know, uh, in, in uh, location. And then we have another preposition that takes the accusative, ob, uh, which is because of. Um, our word notes, I think we, uh, we, we talked about all of this. Very good. Okay. So, um, for your exercises, uh, obviously do the drills. You can do the bare minimum, but I always recommend that you do more, um, to uh, uh, get the, the various uh, forms uh, with the uh, pluperfect and the future perfect active down. Um, and then with our exercises, uh, we'll, when we uh, look at them, we'll skip around a bit, I suppose, and, and try to, and, and uh, not do all of them, but see uh, which ones are going to be the more interesting. Um, uh, um, and I'll probably do the odd ones, but maybe we'll do the even ones, we'll see. Okay. Uh, very good. Uh, next week, we're moving on to Unit 12, uh, which is going to introduce us to an auxiliary verb, a very important one, possum, posse potui. Uh, it doesn't have a, a fourth principle part, um, and it's the sense of being able to or can. So that's a very useful uh, um, verb for constructing all sorts of things. All right. Well, God bless you. I'll talk to you next time.